See, our hope cannot rest on our ability to make things happen. It cannot rest in our our reality that we currently know and say because of this reality, it'll be okay later. If our hope is seated in something we can control, we're really the most hopeless of them all. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, And that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. For a moment, I'm going to come over here. Hold on just a moment. For those of you on live stream, sorry that you're seeing nothing at the moment. But for those of you in the room, welcome. And on live stream, I'm glad you're here as well. We are gathering again today, like I mentioned, to mark the beginning of a new season. The season of Advent. This season of great expectation. Can you feel it? Are are you looking forward to the things to come? Are you filled with excitement and anticipation? Or are you weary and worn out from the year behind? From the things maybe still in your present that aren't yet finished and done? Oftentimes as we think about Advent, I think it's easy to believe that Advent and anticipation and hope is something for those who are hopeful. But I believe hope is not for those who are hopeful. It's for those who feel hopeless. Those that are tired and weary and worn. Those who are exhausted and at the end of their limit. That's where hope comes in. Those who've lost everything and feel there's still more to lose. That's where hope comes in. Today as we begin this season of Advent... It's my prayer and my hope that you and I can be filled with a little more hope. What is hope? I've said that word now multiple times. What do I mean by that? Hope is the confidence in the things not yet seen. The reality of your life that isn't yet real. Hope is believing in the things you don't have, but one day will. And I don't necessarily mean hope is that you're going to get the right Lego set or arts and crafts or thing for Christmas. Hope is so much more. It is a confidence. It is a belief that nothing can shake. It is a surety, a security. It says it will be okay, even if it's not right now. Today, as we dive into scripture, we're going to encounter a couple who are given great hope. A couple who are facing great challenges. And against all odds comes this hope. And with this hope comes this joy, this overwhelming sense that everything's gonna be okay. We're gonna talk more about joy in the weeks to come in this series, A Weary World Rejoices. 
Could we use that this year? And all that's behind us and all that is probably still in front of us? If your Thanksgiving looked different than normal, if your Christmas plans looked different than normal, maybe this is a year we need joy. And how do we find that? So if you would like to join me in in looking at this in person, you can look in Luke chapter 1. You can find it on your phones or you can find it in physical Bibles if you're somebody who prefers those. And if you're online joining us on live stream, you can find this text on thepointknox.com. It's there along with other resources for you to help you out. Luke chapter 1, we encounter the story of hope that comes in unexpected places and in unexpected way. Here it is. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Luke, as he writes the beginning of his gospel, he begins with this great setup. Hey, here we are in this specific time. Let me tell you about this time of King Herod. Immediately for the people who are reading, it should trigger this reality. The time of King Herod was not that great. He was a man who was afraid of losing control. A man who was afraid that his power would be taken from him. Because in the region of Judea, the Jewish people for the previous couple hundred years had on multiple occasions risen up to try to seize power, to take back what was theirs, to begin to reign as the kingdom they thought God had promised. And every time an uprising would come, the Romans would come in and completely crush them again, completely destroy their hopes of being a nation once more. And when the Romans would come in, it would mean whoever was in charge that was not capable of keeping the uprising at bay would often be executed and somebody new would take their place. So King Herod was a fearful man, afraid of all that he could lose. So right off the bat, in those days, there was, there was this couple, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And there's something really fun that's painted here, this setup for what's coming. Not only was he a priest uh, of the family of Aaron, if you remember, Aaron was the first priest, Moses' brother, the one who was appointed to be there before the people to offer sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Aaron was the one who was to lead the people to know who God was. In a time where genealogies and ancestry meant everything, Luke sets us up for great expectations. Here's this man who comes from the lineage of Aaron. And not only this, he says, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Here are two people who for all external purposes appeared to have their life all together. They were the ones who knew what God commanded and they did it. They were the ones who honored others when others didn't honor them. They were the ones who seemed for all practical purposes to have it all together. It's an exciting beginning of a story, right? Only good could come next. But that's not what happens. 
See, there's this little line here in verse seven that gives us a picture of something so much more. It says this, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. We live in a culture today where a lot of people have no children, some by choice, some by accident, but a lot of people have no children and we often don't think anything of that. If you don't want to have children, that's fine. That's good for you. You make your decision and I'll make mine. But in this culture, children were seen as an extreme blessing. And if you were honoring God and if you were righteous and if you did the right things, God time and time again would open your room and give you this blessing of children. See, children were not just a blessing because they were yours. They were your future. By having children, your name lived on, your family continued, your meaning and purpose in life was greater than just this season. Here we have these two righteous individuals who are not only barren, they're advanced in years. We live in a world today where technology allows us to have children in older ages than we could before. But there was a time where you reached a certain age and it became very, very improbable to have children. Imagine being Elizabeth Zechariah. Imagine living in this age where there's this expectation, if you do the right things, God will bless you with children. And they're doing the right things and they still have no children. And I speculate, and I'll tell you why in a moment, speculate that it's quite possible maybe she'd been pregnant in the past and miscarried here's why I speculate that at the very end of this section in verse 25 it says this actually in verse 24 after these days his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months she kept herself hidden for five months any first time moms out there It's really difficult to keep yourself hidden for five months unless you've lost a child in the past. When Laura and I had our first miscarriage and then got pregnant with Eden, we were really scared. Would this one stick? Would we have this child? Would we lose yet another? And in that fear, we were hesitant to tell people that we were expecting. I wonder if not only had they experienced the pain of the shame of the community that said, you're not enough. What's wrong with you? Do you not love God and love children? Why won't you have kids? I wonder if they had experienced that pain coupled with the pain of being godly. God, we're doing everything right. Where are you? Coupled with the pain of wondering, will we lose this child again? This is the situation Luke paints, the start of his gospel. But then he continues. Now, while he was serving, while Zechariah was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. 
See, part of the practice of the priests was they would go before God on behalf of the people and they would offer sacrifice. They would also offer incense and there's a specific incense commanded, only one type of incense they could burn. And when they offered the incense, everybody had to leave the temple and only the one person would be there. And the incense for the people of God was a visual and I don't know what you call it with your nose, something you could smell, another sense, right? Uh, a visual, a sensual reminder that God would hear their prayers. You see, because as the incense rose to heaven and you could see the smoke burning of the incense, you could believe your prayers were going up before God too. And as you smelled it in your nose, you could believe that God would receive it as this fragrant offering, this gift to him. And so whenever incense was brought in to be burned before the Lord, all the people would leave and they would be gathered outside and they would pray. And the reason they would leave is this. If God was not pleased with their prayers, if God was not pleased with what they were bringing before him, he would smite the priest who brought it to him. Quite literally, numerous stories in the Old Testament, they just dropped dead for doing it wrong. So to make sure it was done correctly, everybody else left. Also to make sure they were outside of the lightning strike or whatever might come, right? And it just happens that on this day, Zechariah, this godly man who is in this place of pain and this weary exhaustion, wondering and hoping, God, will you be who I thought you would be? He gets chosen to be the one who goes in and offers incense. They were so afraid of that role that they would actually tie a bell and a, a rope onto the priest who was going in. So if it had been a while and they hadn't heard the bell ring, they would just assume he'd probably died and they'd drag his body out as opposed to going in after him. Zechariah is chosen to go. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. In verse 11 there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. It's Christmas time where we decorate our trees and our houses with little angels and we put nativity scenes up that have little angels. Anybody have one up or plan on putting one up? Any of your angels look terrifying? Because your nativity scene is done wrong if you look at your angels and find peace. Because almost every single time angels show up, they terrify the people who see them. Because they're these mighty creatures, larger than people, who come as warriors. Not these peaceful things floating around in clouds like, hey guys, let's play the harp, it'll be great. No, they come as warriors and they often kill people. So Zechariah, he sees this angel and he's terrified. Oh no, what have I done wrong? What is God about to do to me? Is this the recompense? Is this going to be the reason why I don't have any kids? Is this going to be the moment where they drag me out? Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Do not fear. Your prayer's been heard. I wonder how many prayers 
did he question, God, are you hearing me? I wonder how many times he prayed, maybe not the guy offering incense, but surely the priest leading the people. How many times did he pray? And it felt like God wasn't listening. Do not fear, your prayer has been heard. And your wife will bear a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Could you imagine being Zechariah here in this place? Coming before God, broken and weary, desperate, offering on behalf of the people. God, these are the things we're praying for. And an angel shows up and says, God's heard you. You've not been forgotten. In fact, this very thing you hope for, it's gonna happen. And not only will it be good for you, the whole world will rejoice at your child. Many will rejoice because of this one boy who's not yet born. It goes on and it promises exactly who this son will be. For he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. That wine and strong drink part that references back to Numbers chapter six, a vow they could take to set their life apart and be different unto God. Look, your son from birth will be different. He'll be unlike anybody else. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the time he's in the womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he'll go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now I got, I got to back up for a moment here. You see Elizabeth and Zechariah, their, their weariness, their exhaustion wasn't just the fact that they had no children. It wasn't just the fact they lived in this nation ruled by foreigners who were often corrupt and evil. No, their pain was much harder and deeper. See, for the Jewish people, it had been nearly 400 years since God had spoken to them. 400 years since God had sent an angel or a prophet or somebody to hear the word of God and speak it to them anew. 400 years of everything seeming to go wrong. God, where are you? What are you doing? And now this angel appears out of the silence. Your prayer has been heard. So let me ask this real quick before we continue. What have you been praying for for years? What have you been hoping for that is not yet? What have you been desperately seeking God and he seems to not be listening? Don't quit. Keep going. Keep asking and seeking and believing because it certainly hasn't been 400 years just yet. After 400 years, the silence is broken. Your prayer has been heard and this son of yours will turn the people of God back to God. And many will rejoice because of him. Zechariah does perhaps the only logical thing. 
He says to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. I, I want to believe you about this promise, but it just doesn't fit my reality. I, I want to believe the hope that you tell me I should have, but my world seems too dark for that. How should I know? And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Like, is he dead? Should we drag him out? Or is God speaking to him? And this is just a really profound moment. They were waiting and they were wondering. And then finally he comes out. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After three days, or after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. For five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. I couldn't imagine if, like, later today, all of a sudden I lost my voice, and for at least the next nine months I couldn't talk to my wife. She would love that. It'd be beautiful. But could you imagine going through your daily life for nine months completely unable to speak if you were once able to speak? This will be the sign for you that your prayer has been heard. Just as God has been silent for 400 years, you will be silent until this comes to pass. Just as you've been waiting for somebody to speak, you won't be able to be the one who speaks. See, our hope cannot rest on our ability to make things happen. It cannot rest on our, our reality that we currently know and say, because of this reality, it'll be okay later. If our hope is seated in something we can control, we're really the most hopeless of them all. And her prayer, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. In really basic English, what that means is I was shamed and now I'm not. I was uh, afraid to go out in public. People hated me and looked upon me with this look that was tough to see, this embarrassment and this pain and this hardship. And now God has delivered me from all of that. As we begin here in this Advent season, we begin with this reality that hope is not about you and me, but about a God who hears our persistent prayer, who sees us in our pain, who comes to us in our place of weariness when there's nothing left for us to give. And he speaks, trust in what I am going to do. Trust in my promises that I will take away your reproach. Take away your shame. I'll take away your guilt. It'll be okay. And so as we prepare for the coming of Jesus, it's not just remembering that he came 2,000 years ago. It's remembering that he's coming again. 
And this season of Advent is a season of looking back at what he has done to look forward at what he will do. Because he broke through the silence and he came there first to Zechariah to give this man John who would go and fulfill the prophecies and proclaim God is coming. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Just as he spoke then, he will speak now. Behold the Lamb of God who's coming. The one who was slain is coming again. And so this Christmas season, all of our heaviness and all of our weariness and all of the weight of this world we felt in 2020, we get to acknowledge. We get to say, God, this is my pain but here's who you are. And I'm gonna keep praying and keep trusting and keep believing that even now, you're doing a good thing and there's hope for what's to come. Will you join me in praying? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Zechariah and for Elizabeth that even in their impossible situation, you spoke hope. Even in their pain and their shame and their darkness, your light came breaking in. God, in this weary world today, speak to us. Teach us to rejoice, to be filled with hope, a confidence that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that you will never leave us nor forsake us even when it feels like 400 years of silence. God, would we press in and lift up our prayers and lay down our burdens and trust that you will come again and restore all that is broken. You will take away our shame and take away our guilt. Teach us to hope today anew. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is the part of the service where we get to respond to your questions and do our best to try to um, answer what we can and leave left unanswered the things we don't know. So So last year, not last year, last week we had so many questions we actually had to like put a few, was it last year or week before? two weeks ago. So many questions that we actually had to put some on later in the week and answer them. This week we have like none. Great. Um, There is one, someone is concerned. Um, wondering if anything's wrong because you're wearing shoes, not sandals. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you may have noticed there's a little bit that's different today. Uh, I'm not wearing sandals. The short answer is I'm getting old. The long answer is my chiropractor said that sandals aren't so great for my scoliosis and I should try a few things unless I want to become old really quick. So um, I'm now in shoes and it sucks, but God still loves me and it'll be okay even when I'm not okay. That's awesome. Um, the last couple things are uh, all all factory. All factory. Oh yeah, that's the nose. Oh, that's it would be yeah, a sense of smell. Yeah. And then someone said music was awesome and harmonica rocked. So. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Go Fletcher. I don't know why I pointed here. Fletcher's not right there, so I, I thought he was, but yeah. <laughs> that's, so that, it. that's it. That is it. Awesome. Well, before you go, I hope you go with hope, and it's my prayer that if things aren't okay this Christmas season, you reach out and we can be a part of loving and caring and serving you in this time. As you go receive this blessing, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.